Welcome to Money Isn't Scary, a podcast for women to explore our fears around money and inspire each other to be financially empowered. I'm Megan Dwyer, and I'm making it my personal mission to remove the taboo around money and help women rewrite their stories so they can stop staying small and begin to live life on their terms. In this show, we get real and uncomfortable as we unpack our beliefs, thoughts, and behaviors that aren't serving us anymore. I can't wait for you to join me on this journey. So let's dive in. Hi, you guys. Welcome to the Money Isn't Scary podcast. I'm Megan Dwyer. Today, I'm sharing such a fun conversation that I had with Galia Gishan and Susan Yeagley, co-hosts of the Fiscal Firecrackers, a weekly podcast centered around educating, entertaining, and empowering people about money. This was so in alignment for me and my mission, and it was such a treat getting to talk to these ladies. Together, Susan, being a renowned comedic actress, and Galia, a personal finance expert with 20 years experience, they combine their superpowers to share educational financial information in a hilarious and approachable way. Before we jump into the conversation, I want to share a little bit more about Susan and Galia. Galia Gishan is an independent, personal, financial expert with more than 20 years in financial services, including nearly 10 years on Wall Street and an MBA in finance. Her career has spanned corporate bond research analyst, personal finance expert, angel investor, entrepreneur advisor, and author. She's the founder of Down to Earth Finance, an independent personal finance education. She's been teaching at Barnard College's Athena Center for Leadership, Freelancers Union for 10 plus years, and Yale School of Management. Previously, she worked at Bear Stearns and Nomura Securities. Galia is also the author of My Money Matters, which was featured on the Today Show. Susan Yeagley is a renowned comedic actress with a side hustle hobby, wanting to learn everything there is to know about money. Susan's TV credits include playing Jessica Wicks on the hit NBC show Parks and Recreation and recurring roles on CBS's Rules of Engagement and Fox's Till Death. In addition, she's guest starred on ER, Friends, Reno 911, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Miracles, Ellen, Everybody Loves Raymond, and the Sarah Silverman program. Her film credits include Almost Famous, The Coen Brothers' Intolerable Cruelty, Coyote Ugly, Neil Berger's The Lucky Ones, in the Adam Sandler film, Blended. Most recently, you can catch her playing Parker Posey's half-sister in the Christopher Guest Netflix film, Mascots. And this December, she played nutty realtor Barb Harder in the Sister Swap Christmas movie on the Hallmark Channel. You guys, I want to just jump right into this conversation. So you can find the Fiscal Firecrackers podcast anywhere you listen to your podcasts. You can check out their website, fiscalfirecrackers.com, and you can go check them out on Instagram at Fiscal Firecracker. And I'll put all the links in the show notes as well. All right, you guys, without further ado, here is my conversation with the amazing and funny Galia and Susan of the Fiscal Firecrackers. Enjoy. Galia and Susan, welcome to the Money Isn't Scary podcast. Thank you both for being here today. Thanks for having us. Hello, yes, Megan. thank you. Hi, we're so happy to be here. Thank you for inviting us. Of course. So I know that this is going to be an amazing conversation because we have extremely similar missions to educate and empower people around their money and to eliminate the stigma, right? And the fear and the shame that comes with it for so many of us. And I think women in particular. And what I love about you guys is that you're not afraid to go there. You're not afraid to bring light and humor into topics or areas that might be uncomfortable for a lot of us, which is exactly why I started this show in the first place. So we don't feel so alone in the crazy ways that we think around money. So with that, let's jump into it. Let's get uncomfortable. I'd love to start by having you guys tell everyone about yourselves and how the fiscal firecrackers were born. Great. Gal, you want to take our origin story? Sure, sure. I, I've got the five-minute version and I have the 50-minute version, so I'll go with the five-minute <laughs> version. <laughs> so we met through our executive producer, Jill Lederman, who is just I'm amazing. I, we can't say enough about her. So I actually am a childhood friend of Jill's, and Susan knows Jill from the industry. And lots happened during COVID. We all had our own personal awakenings or whatnot. And 
um, Susan and Jill had met because they're friends and they both said, hey, let's, and, and it's kind of a funny story they met. So you have to read that on our website because we don't want to give away too much, but <laughs> they met and they just said, okay, what are we doing now? We were at home, we're, you know, careers kind of taking a, you know, screeching halt with COVID. And Susan, and I don't want to speak for her too much, but she's always loved money and she's always been really good with money and in charge of it and, you know, sits in her trailer during movie shoots and TV shoots, you know, checking her stock prices and such. So she was telling Jill about her money journey and Jill said, I've got someone for you to meet. And that was me. So I've known Jill for a long time, 30 plus years. And Susan and I just had our first conversation just to kind of get to know each other and boom, the podcast was born. And what we found is that we wanted, we saw something in each other. So for me, Megan, like you, I've been dealing with finance for a long time. And it is really hard to get people to want to look at their finances, want to talk about it. And what Susan brings to the table, which is absolutely unique, is that she makes this an entertaining, human, authentic, funny experience, which is ultimately empowering the listener. And so it's me giving my, you know, obviously like very important information, but she's the reason people are showing up because it's entertaining. It's funny. She puts a spin on it. And truthfully, she's, I, what I found is that while our podcasts are funny, they've actually become much more human focused and authentic. Yeah. So that's, that's the quick and dirty. (laughs) That's the quick and dirty. And you're, you're very generous, Galia. Thank you. Um, I obviously am not a money expert. I'm an actress who just reads money books and I'm just curious about things. And so growing up, you know, when I was 18, 19, I was spending my money on nipple tape and Galia was buying, getting 401ks and she was <laughs> investing. I knew nothing about any of this for years. I didn't know what to do. I, I literally, I would get a residual check from friends and I'd be like, let's go to the Beverly Center. Let's get Diet Cokes and get some <laughs> lip balm and lotion and blow it. And because there'll be another residual check next week. So then we'll just take that check and we'll yeah. go blow it on foot cream and uh, go to Palm <laughs> Springs. Um, so I, that was my twenties, just not knowing and bumbling and patchy with it, not sure what to do. So I started reading Susie Orman books, who has been such a huge inspiration to me. Mm-hmm. And I started going, Whoa, I need to figure out what the, what's a SEP? What's a Roth? What's this? How come I don't know any of this? How come I'm a college graduate? And I don't know anything about all this stuff. Yeah. And I'm aching and dying to know it. And so it was such a great marriage for Golly and I to get together and for Jill to pair us together because it's suddenly I've got this woman who who is so knowledgeable and uh, and I could ask her a million questions and I still do to this day. Love I her questions. Her. I love her like, questions. Okay, love it. what do we do about the will <laughs> thing on this and this? So I'm just a student. I'm just, I just want to learn. I have found in my own life, friends, family members, if they don't figure out their money, it can really punch them in the face. It's something that if you don't stand in your power with your money and be honest about it, no matter how many, as Galia says, how many zeros or how many commas, it doesn't matter. Zeros or commas in your bank account. It's about being truthful and standing in that truth, knowing what you have and turning the lights on in the room when it comes to finance. And that's really what we're about. Yeah. Oh my gosh. There's so many things there that I want to touch on, but yes, I I have learned through the last two years of doing this podcast, it has been so much of a self-discovery journey. And I've learned that our relationship with money is really all about our relationship with ourselves. And there's so much more beneath the surface than we think there is, right. Or that, you know, we're, we're brought up to believe or that culture tells us. And one of those things, as an example of that, as I always say that it's not when you go to buy something, you just said, you know, the lip gloss, right, Susan, it's not the actual item itself. It's the feeling underneath the feeling behind that item. So like, what are you, what's that feeling that you're looking for? And what I like to talk about is kind of putting our dollars, using our dollars in alignment with how we want to feel and, and adding some intention to all of that. And I think that when you do that, it, there's no bad or good decisions, right? It all just kind of is what feels right to you and what feels kind of in alignment with with who you are, right? So that's, again, you know, one of my very big umbrella concepts that I talk about a lot on the show, because I think it all comes down to our relationship with ourselves. 
And until we know, especially for moms, you guys are both moms as well. I think that you're one person, right? Before I had kids anyway, I was one person and I felt like I had, I was on a, on a, on a path and I had these different goals and I knew who I was. And then these two little boys came into my life and they completely turned my world upside down. And to some extent I had an, an identity crisis. I didn't really even know who I was or what I wanted for many, many years. And I think kind of through this, doing this podcast over the last couple of years, I've started to, to develop more of an understanding of that. But I think that's a really universal concept for a lot of women to go through these kind of phases in our life where we don't really you know, know what we want, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And we all go, oh, I want to be happy. Well, what, what's underneath that? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and I think, too, that we, we, you know, you brought up a good point. When we were single or just alone, we were like, okay, let's do it. You know, we're just focused on building our career and, and you know, our very self-involvement. And then all of a sudden, when we, were, when we have children, we want to do it for them. And what's interesting is that, you know, working with a lot of people who have children is that I keep saying, so they're like, you know, the the direct is like, oh, I want to save for their college or I want to take them on nice vacations or buy them things versus let me show by example. Yeah. Let me own my finances. And that's actually the best gift you can give your children. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. So it's obviously we want to save for our kids. I mean, I've got one kid in college. I've got one kid right, you know, in the back door <laughs> right mm. behind it. So I get it. And I, you know, but I also don't want them to have to take care of me. Susan can, you know, has a really funny joke. I don't want them to take care of me. I don't want them to have to worry about me financially. And by me, or obviously my clients owning their finances, I feel like that's how I can really take care of my children financially. Mm -hmm. I think it's important too, to throw out all the rules. We hear so many rules as parents. One of them I can't stand is you got to have date night with your spouse. You got to have date night. Okay. Here's the bottom line. I'm 52. My husband will be 70. We're good. We've been together 22 years. We don't need to go to the Red Lobster right now <laughs> and have a break from our 16-year-old. We like the two of us enjoy spending time with him. He's going to be out of the house in 20 minutes going off to college. So for us to hear people say, you really need to go out together, take a trip together yeah. as a yeah. couple. We're good. We just, we like to be with our son. That's what works for our family. Now, other people, maybe it works for them to have date night, but don't let anybody tell you what's right for your family. Mm-hmm. Don't let anybody tell you what you should be spending on your family. Yeah. It's up to you. Yeah. And that I think is one of the hardest things. I did an episode specifically on this concept of self-trust. I think we tend to, I anyway, kind of grew up holding other people on a pedestal thinking that other people, again, because some of the stories that I tell myself that other people must know more than I do, right? So thinking that their guidance and their advice is what I should be doing. But again, through this kind of process, I'm learning that nobody can tell me what's best for me. I can tell myself what's best for me. And that's, that's not always the easiest thing, but yeah, throwing out all those rules. I mean, we learn Gally, I'm sure you, you know, you know, all those kind of rules of thumbs as a financial planner and the things that we're, we should and shouldn't do. Well, I mean, that's great, but let's look at your, your individual situation first and see if that makes sense for you. And before we tell you what you should or shouldn't do, really the hardest part is showing up. I literally just got off the phone or Zoom, whatever you call it, with a client. And literally, she paid me. I feel like it was the easiest money I've ever earned. She paid me to show her how to log into her Vanguard account. She was too scared (laughs) to do it. And I was like, you don't have to pay me. I can help, you know. No, no, no. Like, literally, like, just to log into her Vanguard account. Oh, my gosh. Because she was so fearful of just showing up Mm. and looking at it. And it doesn't matter if she's got a thousand in there or 5 million, you know, she's, it's just so many of us just, we just need to stop and look and ask questions. And by the way, this is something when Susan, when you were talking, one other thing that I love about you, Susan, is you are curious. You, you are curious. When I say something, you're like, oh, I'm going to call so-and-so and ask them about it. Or yeah, I'm going to ask my friend about that. Or I'm going to talk to Kev about this. Like you are curious. And I think that's something that we can do with our finances is be curious. So if you are married, be curious with your spouse. If you are, if you have parents, be curious with them. Say, how can I support you? Being curious about our money. Right. And if you, you know, I have a natural curiosity for finance and other people don't, but if you're trying to go, oh, I, I, I want to have a curiosity. Here's something that 
can really tee it up for you is to think for me, I don't want my son to ever have to give me a sponge bath when I'm a really old lady and I yeah. smell. <laughs> I, I, that is something that stands in my mind's eye of him having to come in at mom, come on, get the bath where you're going and would you make some tea for me? Like this, that is so terrifying. The idea of have him having to take care of me. Yeah. So that also will propel a uh, little fear sometimes in the cake mix doesn't hurt to go, oh, I don't want that in my life. I better open my Vanguard account. I better yeah. open my Fidelity account. Well, it goes back to your why, right? And I think everybody has to have a why for for everything that we do. Because otherwise, why would you want to move towards something that you're afraid of, right? You have to have a reason for that. And so your reason, Susan, is is just what you said. It's making sure that your son doesn't have to give you a sponge bath. And I think for so many people, it's a, probably a similar why, but everybody has a why ultimately for what they do and what they don't do. Um, Galia, you, what you just said was really cool that this woman was so afraid to open up her Vanguard account. And I want to ask you why you think she was so afraid. I have some thoughts. I have some things in my head that I've kind of worked through on my own around why I have certain fears when it comes to money things, but I'm curious your thoughts on that. Oh gosh, I think it's so many. So I think one is the market volatility a yeah. little bit. She was afraid that she is not getting paper statements and a lot of us aren't. So you're not getting that statement. So you haven't looked at it in six months or something. And you're like, oh gosh, the market's up, the market's down. I've lost, I've gained. So there's just, if I just don't open it or look at it, it gets better. So that's number yeah. one. Number two, she doesn't know how to read it. Like in this case, she yeah. literally does not know how to read her statement. I was literally, you know, saying hit positions, hit balance. She was like, oh, oh, that's number two. Number three, it's a muscle. It's just like working out, eating healthy, right. prayer, whatever, you know, whatever you choose to do, you got to do it regular and often. And she just hadn't done it. So I think you just get used to not doing it. And she didn't fully understand it. So there's just the fear of the unknown. Yeah. What I, I could keep add, going, but oh, I know. Well, there's so many things, it, it, so many things agreed, and I think some of those even go in deeper, right? Like there is this general concept, and it's a massive, massive pet peeve of mine. Like they don't teach us this stuff in school, so of course we're gonna go in there thinking, "Oh my gosh, I'm stupid," and that's a story that I've told myself my whole life that I'm stupid. So if I continue to kind of believe that as I go along, of course, like you don't want to be put in a situation that's gonna make it like put that front and center for you. You don't want to feel vulnerable. We all put our walls up, right? So I, that makes total sense, you know. And I think that there's probably. In other stories that that could be going on there as well, but I think when we avoid, that's where it gets dangerous. Yes. Then there's also the other end where I check my stuff six times a day, which I don't know. <laughs> Is there a diagnosis for that? I'm always on it. Because someone told me a long time ago, watch your money go up and down, but never go up and down with your money. Mm. So Fascinating. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I like just that. stay neutral and then I log on to my accounts these days. And I just watch them go up and down every day. But I find it fascinating, like watching a roller coaster at Disneyland, just watching yeah. it, staying neutral. Mm -hmm. Because you have, you're gained the knowledge to have that long-term perspective, right? And that's mm -hmm. not always an easy thing to do. I feel like, especially people who are maybe on the, at like a further along in life and they say, oh, this, this is my retirement. This is the oh, the only money that I have. And I'm seeing it go down. Well, I mean, that kind of goes back to sort of, well, how is it allocated? And why are you, why are you putting this amount of money in something that is potentially risky that you can't kind of see it go up and down on a daily basis. That goes back to sort of like higher level financial planning in general there. But I think the emotions around it, like riding that roller coaster, like, why do you want to be on that roller coaster in no. the first place? No, have popcorn mm -hmm. and sit out and watch everybody. That's, exactly. that's the thing. Just sit out, <laughs> sit it out. There's something to be said for being an audience member right now. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Yes. That's a good point. <laughs> that is yeah. a really good point. I like yeah. that. <laughs> Megan, yeah. I'm curious because you're, you're working with so many people, but what do you see as the biggest mistake that women are making right now with their money? I mean, I think there's probably two things. I think one of them is the avoidance that we just talked about, not knowing what you have, not opening up the statements, not looking at more importantly, looking at this, looking at the, like your fidelity accounts or your 401ks or whatever, but also looking at your checking and your credit cards. I think so many of us just think 
that, especially with a credit card, oh, it's just free money. It's there. It's, I have access to it. And I think when you actually look at it, when you look at a statement and you see like, wow, this is where my dollars are actually going. Is that what I really want? That's the biggest, I think, mistake that we can possibly do is just, or is recognizing that we are spending money. That's not an intention with what we want and who we want to be. And I think that, I think we see so much of that. And I think that companies profit off of that and really, really frustrates me. But once we see this, we can't unsee it, right? We Now we have the education and the knowledge around it. So now we can start to shift our behaviors. It's true. We can't unsee it. And I think, you know, use the tools out there. Like we had in our recent Addicted to Amazon episode, like yeah. find out what you spent last year. I guarantee yeah. you, you're going to do something different just by knowing that number. You know, Susan always says this, like, look at your apps. What are you paying for? I guarantee you, you're going to find just, and so this is just like, open the closet door, you know, undo the, your bed, undo, <laughs> open the kimono, just start looking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and not being curious, I think is the other, the other component to this. I think so many of us are just kind of satisfied and content with like status quo, but if you're not curious, then nothing's going to change. I had a old therapist years ago that said, <laughs> told me nothing changes. If nothing changes, it seems so basic, but it's so true. If you continue to think the same way on a daily basis, your brain isn't going to move forward. You're not going to get what you actually want. So I think being curious about it and having the self-compassion, that's a huge component to all of this. I think women also beat themselves up probably more than men do in general, but we beat ourselves up and we feel a lot of guilt and shame for, for things that we've done in the past. But that doesn't matter anymore. All we can do is move forward from this moment, from where we are today. So building in a practice of self-compassion, I think is key to this part too. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like forgiving yourself for people you dated in the nineties. Yeah. That takes work too. <laughs> it's the same with shopping. Like I did some dumb stuff. I was going to say, I bought yeah. some stupid things that oh, I spent God. way too much money on. Oh, way, we all do. Yeah. We, we, all, we do. all do. We all do. Mm. And also for me talking about getting uncomfortable is one thing I used to do and I don't do anymore is I had a really hard time about to say how much something cost if I felt I overpaid for something, or let's say I, I got a dresser and, and it's expensive. I would just say, Oh, it's cost more than a bag of peaches. I would just say a little funny ditty. Actually, that was not a funny ditty, but I would just say something to deflect from what it actually cost. And that's something I've learned how to do is just to say, oh, okay, yeah, well, that uh, new vase cost. $84 and just say it. And it feels good rather yeah. not attach anything to it. It's just being honest about what something actually costs. That's something that you guys, I actually wanted to bring that up. I love how you guys have done these awkward money moments episodes. And one of those is why do people kind of brag about things costing less. Like, you know, you get the compliment, like, Oh, I like your sweater. Thank you. I got it on sale. Or I got, Oh, Mm -hmm. it was only whatever, $30 at like whatever on the sale rack at the store. And it's like, I, I I, let's dig into that a little bit more. I mean, I personally think that that has to do with, there's an underlying element of shame there. Like maybe, maybe Mm -hmm. we there's so, and there's, there's a couple different levels of that. Right. I think that there's one is that Maybe we feel like somebody's judging us for yes what we're wearing or how much we spend on certain things. But at the same time, we need to remind ourselves that you know people value different things. I might spend more money on shoes or bags because I personally like that versus like you know a shirt or whatever, a pair of yoga pants or something. So I think there's that, but then I also think that there's this kind of just general concept of like, maybe we're not actually comfortable enough with ourselves and who we are and what we make or the money that we have that we feel like we have to constantly like justify it or minimize it. That's mm-hmm. my guess. I don't know. Yeah. I'd love to get your thoughts. Yeah. I mean, so Galia, we'll role play here. Tell me you, uh, you like, let's just pretend I'm wearing a ball gown. Tell me you like my ball gown. Susan. First of all, you look magnificent and I love that ball gown. Thank you. Thank you. I love, love that ball gown. Thank you, Galia. I completely overpaid for it. I bought it at Bergdorf. I completely overpaid for it. It was about four months salary. See, that's something you never hear. Never. Never. No one will ever ever say that. 
Think about, remember that terrible campaign for the engagement rings? It was just two months salary. Oh, like, yeah. that was so bad. I mean, that. Oh the, what message God. is that? That's what a terrible, is, right? Do you remember terrible. that? <laughs> also, how about salary. you buy a ring that costs one week's salary and then save the rest for a down payment right. for a home? Right. How about that? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, or you buy together because, you know, I don't know. Right. No, but, but circling back to the shame issue. Yeah. There is a sense of I'm going to win a little trophy. I'm a good girl. This costs $13 from a vintage shop. Right. See, if I say that, then I'm good. I'm prudent. I'm a good consumer. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I, yeah, there is something about it. People think a certain way about me, right? If they think that I got it for $13 versus $150. Well, and it's so yeah. prevalent. It's I went to a big party, college, um, friends from college on Saturday night. And um, I mean, everybody was dressed to the nines. It was in New York City. And it was really like, oh, I love what you're wearing. Oh, thank you. I, I mean, I heard it over and over. Yeah. I either got it on sale or I just bought it. I mean, one woman, I will say, she looked gorgeous. And I was like, I love what you're wearing. She said, thank you. Oh, heaven. That's, Can we, that's, oh, that's the new, that's, let's do that this year. Let's all just say thank you, period, thank you. full stop. Thank you. Period. Thank you. Period, full period. stop. Exactly. It's so refreshing. You never hear right. it. No. Oh, no. your hair looks good. Oh yeah, I got my hair done today. Like I was doing it. I mean, it's just why we can't just own why can't our we? purchases. Why can't own we do it. that? I'm telling yeah. you, but see, you remember her saying that. That takes yeah. a, and also it's very dear and confident and loving because mm-hmm. she caught your compliment and received it without having to go back and say, I really love your spectacles. I, I love the car you drove here. So she didn't have to give a compliment back. She right. held on to it. And that's quite loving to mm-hmm. do, yeah. to just say, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, there's so, it's so powerful. You don't realize how powerful it is until you actually are like in that moment. I justify everything. I mean, and I think so many of us do as women. I mean, I heard my mom say the same thing when we would be outside in public and she would get a compliment. I think it's just, that's just a cultural thing that we're conditioned to do naturally. Just minimize. And that's, again, for women, it keeps us small. That keeps us playing. So Megan, when we say awkward, let's turn the awkward the other way. Let's be awkward and say, thank you. Yes. No, I'm saying this to myself. Rather than like, oh, how much did you pay for that? Or I got it on sale. No. Thank you. That's awkward, but whatever. It doesn't have to be. It is awkward. It is. Right. You don't have to say the other thing I hear people say too. And, and I've done this and family members have done this. Oh, I love your sundress. Oh my God. I've had the 17 years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Minimizing Minimizing, playing small. Yeah. I think 2023 guys, let's, let's create a revolution where we just say, thank you and smile. How mm-hmm. great is that? Mm-hmm. And actually feel it, Woo. like mean it, right? I mean, I think so. Again, when somebody compliments us as women, we just tend to just brush it aside. Like, okay, you're just saying that, but you don't really like my, you know what I mean? Actually, let's let's embrace that. Embrace it and just be like, okay, wow. Yeah, I'll take that compliment. Thanks. Mm-hmm. I do look pretty good in this dress, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. That's a hard thing to do. I, know, I think you. it's really hard. <laughs> Because my brain wants to go to a joke like, oh, you like this dress? You should see my tits. Or, you know, I mean, I don't yes. know. I just, like, I, I want to go to something completely naughty. Right. Um, but I think just saying thank you is is powerful. so powerful and so beautiful because yeah. you, you are receiving the gift they're giving you by that fully. Yeah. 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 I think that's a lesson. Let's do it. Let's make, like, that's, that's a revolution. <laughs> Pinky swear, Thank everybody. You. Pinky swear. We're doing Pinky that. Okay. okay. Thank you. Full stop. Period. I do also think that some component of this is that to an extent as a culture, we just love getting a deal. We love shopping the clearance rack. We love shopping when things are on sale. There's so much kind of psychology out there, consumer behavior psychology around getting a deal. You always see when you walk by a store all these stores have 60% off, 70% off, and maybe the items are actually marked up just so that you can feel like you're getting a deal. But do you ever see that? Or do you ever feel that yourself? It still is. It gives me an orgasm. Just you talking about it right now. I am (laughs) so, I'm like, what's on sale? Where where do I need to, here's my purse. Like, well, let's go. Oh my God, I'm ready. I I I love your purse, by the way, Susan. I love your purse. That is very nice, actually. Oh, thank you. Perfect. I love it. (laughs) You know, it's Megan, you said something that struck a chord with me is there's no change until there's change. 
And so one of the things that, you know, we do on the podcast is give these little tips. And I'm just a big fan of just giving these little tips. But in terms of shopping, I've done a lot of my own personal work. And, you know, you talk about getting a therapy degree. It's money isn't about the money. It's like 99.999% about our parents and this and that. Mm-hmm. And for me, like as a kid, we grew up with retail therapy, literally. Oh, yeah. Like my sister and I coined that. Going to Burdines <laughs> in the South. Burdines <laughs> in Florida. Uh-huh. Where uh-huh. Susan and I both grew up. So going to, you know, Burdines or the mall in, in the 80s and, and doing retail therapy. So for me now... I only shop on two occasions. One is if I need something, like if I have, like I had this, you know, big party on Saturday night, I went shopping for a dress for it. Or if I'm on vacation, because I do work a lot, so I don't really have time. But when I'm on vacation, I love going to like little stores that I haven't been to. And so I found just having those two, and that's what works for me. I'm not saying that other people should do, but sometimes putting a little bit of the guardrails you know, we talk a lot about the Amazon, but having that made me think about shopping a little bit differently. And look, I love a sale too. I will definitely like go to the sale rack as soon as I walk into the store, but knowing that I'm not doing it just to, because I'm trying to fill in some time or, or have, you know, emotions or whatever, I'm going there for something. And then obviously I might buy, like I actually went, when I shopped for the dress, I ended up buying a sweater also, so I can buy other things, but I found it was just a little more focused. So that's what works for me. So well, I that's just... putting intention behind it, right? That's that's right. exactly what mm-hmm. I, yeah, what I'm talking about. Susan, mm-hmm. what about you? I mean, I think well, I know what when you're I heard <laughs> When I heard Galia say, I only shop two times, I was thinking, yeah, I do too. When I'm happy and when I'm sad, those are my two times. <laughs> it's <just> funny. Um, <laughs> I, I enjoy, well, I love vintage stuff. I love vintage clothing stores. I love antique stores. I love all that. So I don't know how it's not a a job for me to do it. I find it relaxing. Like, so yes. yeah, I like find it's a sport. It's a sport, right? It's a, yeah, it's a I hobby. meditative. I love to go sniff in old vintage stores up to Panga Canyon and see clothes brought in from Woodstock. And I mean, I could, sp- I just find that glorious for me. That's, that's fun. And yeah, so I, I, yeah, I have a little bit of a different angle with it. But I don't think there's anything wrong with that either. Mm-hmm. And I am actually somewhere kind of in between both of you. I mean, I know better, right? I know the financial impact of it. I know I'm the one that I'm the family CFO. I'm the one that runs all the the numbers in my house. So I know what it's like, but I also enjoy shopping. There's something about it. Yeah. It's an, when I have two hours to myself on a weekend and I'm not with the kids and I'm not working. I will go to the mall. I'll go to Target. I will go just bop around because I enjoy that. It's that is mm-hmm. to point your point, Susan, was that it's meditative. It's kind of calming for me. I enjoy that, you know, but then I also try to I'll bring myself there, but I also try to add some intention behind it. And I'm aware mm-hmm. of that because I know myself now. And I know that I know my personality enough that I know when I am going to do full on retail therapy if I'm extremely upset and I'm just buying this, not because I want it, but because, or not because I I really want it, but because I'm just, I just need to fill a void right now. I need to fill an emotional hole that there could be other tools that could fill that as well. And that's what I think shopping to an extent for those people who like it, it's just a tool. It's another tool to be able it's to a help tool. us process and all our big feelings. <laughs> Right. And if there's guardrails up, which, you know, I have my number once a month that I spend. And so I kind of go, okay, do I want to graze and go out on most weekends and go to swap meets and flea markets and vintage shops and things and graze? Or do I want to do kind of a once a month hit? So yeah, it's good to have the guardrails up and then just give myself the freedom, depending on how much time I have to go in and sniff around. Cause it's just, to me, it's a, it's a real dang fun hobby to find stuff. And I love to, I'm also the gift buyer for the family. So I do all of my husband's gift buying for all of his people in his life. And so if it's May and I see the perfect little, you know, stool that has a dog on it, and I know that his manager loves that kind of dog, I'm going to buy it in May and sock it away for, I can attest to that. You and I were, this was like, by the way, like a otherworldly experience. You and I were shopping. We were in New York city for a work event and we went by the MoMA gift shop. Oh, you got to stop there. So that was incredible. And Susan was like, oh, the holidays. And I'm like, wait, holidays? Isn't it April? Yeah. And literally she, and so I did that. I was like, oh, she's right. Like, not she's right. I was like, oh my goodness. Yes. I, my mom would love that or, but you know, 
And and by the way, we did get a discount because there, I'm a member. That's <laughs> another so, thing. That's a thrill. Yeah. No, it's a dopamine do hit that. right there. Dopamine hit. <laughs> also, and this is one thing I learned. I was at a store recently. This is a great little tip. You can say at the, when you're checking out, hi, just real kindly. Um, hi, it's there any coupon for this store, any kind of deal that I need to know about. And I just always ask that. And it's amazing because the other day, and anthropology, they said, oh, well, if it's your birthday month, you get 20% off. I go, uh, I was born February 27th. And right now it's February 15th. So I think it's my birthday month. And so, yeah, How I got, you know? I, I, I would never have known that. Yeah. It may have been 15% off. I think it was 20. But anyway, a lot of stores do your birthday month. And yeah. how would you even know? Unless yeah. you just say, hey, is there anything that I need to know about? And it's cool if there's not, but maybe there is. Another example of the power of speaking up, right? And just asking for what you want. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. So yeah. many of us forget to do, I think sometimes. Mm-hmm. Or just avoid, again, because of that discomfort somehow. But if you're ever, circling back to Golly's point, if you're ever near a museum gift shop, run in there and store stuff away because I find museum gift shops have the smartest, most interesting, special mm. to the bone gifts. Unique. Just really Unique. special. Yes. Lots of them are supporting uh, local artists too. And mm-hmm. I love that. It's not like big corporate things in there. It's just, oh, the lady down the yeah. street makes this kind of pottery. Oh, like, cool. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. I think there's also a component to what you're saying, Susan, about how you know, it's just like the thrill of not knowing what you're going to get, right? That that's, I think that that comes with that piece of shopping. Like you just don't know what you're going to find that day. And if you're somebody that really enjoys, you know, whatever the type of item it is that you're buying, right? I mean, that's really cool. That the stool that you said that you put away, I mean, you just never know. And so that's, that, that I think is, there's a fun element to that for, you know, it's kind of like a hobby or entertainment of some sort. Yeah. It's my vaping. Yes. <laughs> you had bought a clock. I'll never forget the clock. I actually went back and bought it. Uh-huh. I bought it for my uh, one of my sisters. Yeah. It was the best incredible. craziest clock I've ever yes, seen. Yes, I know. Oh my God. <laughs> but we'll it never says, tell. We'll never tell. It's just Yeah, you know. when it hits, I think when it hits six in the morning, the six and then instead of zero zero, it's six and it says, fuck. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> it's really a funny clock. Oh, that's worth it. <laughs> oh, it's right there, right? That's a, worth the whole trip to Manhattan. Absolutely. <laughs> Especially if you got it at a discount. <laughs> yeah, that's right. What did you, what was your museum discount? You, you... Oh, I'm a member of the MoMA, which to me yeah. being, a, you know, I live close to New York City. So I'm a member at the MoMA, the Whitney, and it's, you know, first of all, it's a tax deduction. Boom. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if you go more than twice a year, you're saving money because if you just go and pay for the MoMA or the Whitney, it's 20 or $25 a person. Versus for $100 a year, I'm now a member. And so that I can get two, three people. And if I go a few times a year, I've made my money. I'm getting the tax deduction. So it's actually pre-tax dollars. And I get discounts at the gift shop. I don't know. Oh my it gosh. sounds like a slam dunk to me. Slam dunk. Absolutely. Yes. I used to be um, a member of the Met when my kids were little and, or in the Museum of Natural History when we lived in New York City. And that was our entertainment because I could go for an hour until they melted, you know, melted down. And then I left. And I wasn't worrying and I just could go yeah. on. We do that so with the smart. zoo here, but we don't, the, yeah. there's no really good discounts at the zoo gift shop. Yeah, but you can get a membership. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. not true. Yeah. In New York City, the zoo is amazing. Central Park Zoo. Like they had yeah. really great, um, the Bronx Zoo. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Same concept, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's worth it if you're going to go a few times. Switching gears a little bit, I just want to bring up this concept that you guys have talked about on your show before about keeping up with the Joneses. Susan told this story about the families in Italy, and I'd love Mm -hmm. for you to tell us a little bit more about this because this is, it's an example of just everybody in this world, I feel like. It it is so loaded on so many levels. So I was at a dinner party and a woman was talking about how there's a little village in Italy whereby, and this is, I think, common throughout Europe that a lot of people go away for the month of August. So in this little village, there is so much shame with families if they cannot afford a proper vacation to be gone for the entire month of August. So what they do is they concoct a scheme where it makes it look to the neighbors and the villagers and townspeople that you are gone. So what they do is buy enough food for the month. They take their cars and have them driven off property. They turn all the lights out and board up the windows and then hide in their basement for a month and eat the food 
that they've been able to hoard basically for a month so that the entire illusion of their family is that they're wealthy and they were able to go to the south of France or insert exotic city for the entire month of August. So it's creating a lie on so many levels. It's abhorrent, but the message to me, it hit me. What are you telling your children Mm -hmm. that rather than just keeping the windows open and saying, guess what? We're choosing to stay here and not vacation in August. We're going to save that money and standing in your power. Instead, there's so much shame around it to be a family that can't afford a vacation that they literally hide out in their basement to create an illusion. And it, it broke my heart. Yeah, that is so incredibly interesting. It seems like such a lot of work just to create the illusion that you are somebody different than you are. And I think that, you know, let's just bring it all back home here. I mean, let's again, search like deep within you to figure out what it is that is keeping you from just being you. And again, I think it all comes down to shame there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it does. And that's such an extreme case, but they even did this during the war where women couldn't afford fishnets, fishnet hose, because the hosiery was being used for parachutes. For, by soldiers and the women wanted to look like they could afford fishnet hose. So they created, there were bars set up, fishnet bars where people would take eyeliner and line the back of your legs. So when you'd walk away, it looked like you were wearing fishnet hose. So you'd look like you were a wealthy woman. So those are wow. definitely uh-huh. extreme examples, but we do things like that all the time. I feel all the time. The t- all the time. I see it with, oh, When I, you know, I probably saw it a little bit more when I lived in New York City with kids, like oh yeah, going on vacation, you'd come back and if you, you know, just went to the Poconos or upstate New York or the Berkshires versus like the Caribbean or Colorado or something like just having that kind and not, you know, I'm not saying I did that or just, but having those conversations because there was, you know, living in New York City with children obviously is just a different and you get all walks of life. So I think I see that. I see that with just cars people are driving. I mean, I think we see it all the time is just that pressure, you know, just in terms of what can I do or what can I not do or just, you know, what what do I need to project? Yeah. And it's those kind of societal expectations, right? And to your point, we had February vacation a couple of weeks ago and we were here. I mean, we actually went to, uh, we took the kids to a hotel for two nights, which had a pool just to get away, just to do something. And then, you know, and then I had to go back to work and like, we were just around. I was, I think they went to their grandparents for a day or two, whatever, hung out with friends, just had a, a week, right. And a very low key week. And then we get back on, we go back to school on Monday and I'm at the bus stop with, with my son And I hear all these other parents just chatting away about, you know, this fancy ski trip that they went on. And then another family went to uh, Mexico and another family went to Hawaii. And I'm just like, we just went to a pool in Rhode Island. I mean, (laughs) it wasn't anything fancy. And you don't realize how much little things like that kind of just do impact you. And of course I had to sit down and do a little like thought work around this. Like, why does that matter to me so much? And I was going to say, and, and, you know, it's like, it's not, and, and Megan, I'm saying this because I can relate hundred percent, but yeah. it's also not our place to judge. Like right. for all we know that family that's going to Hawaii saved up five years to go to Hawaii right? or they inherited some money or that's their choice. Like they're eating Trader Joe's frozen meals so they could go to Hawaii. Like mm-hmm. who knows? And that's okay. But as long as it's not influencing your decisions and you're not making, and again, I'm saying this just as guilty of like, oh, to go to the Caribbean, but yeah. you know, like, mm-hmm. um, but as long as we're not making a decision because we see that other people are doing certain things and, you know, obviously being on social media doesn't help, but yeah. it's just, it's being in our truth. Like what is important to me? And, you know, we always talk about this rather exercise, like Susan, you know, she loves the theater and I actually like, I love to travel. I mean, I, I probably, you know, I've already been to two countries this year. Like I love, mm-hmm. love to travel and I will continue to do that. But you know what? I, you know, brew coffee at home. I eat most of my meals at home. I don't spend a lot on clothing, but I do spend on travel and I, you know, I will upgrade. And so it's whatever is important to me, the rather exercise rather than like, oh gosh, I have to go away because that's what other people are doing. So I think that's a really important exercise to do on our own checking in. 
And again, I'm, right. I'm preaching to myself. Here. <laughs> yeah, and, when, so. and, and to your point, when that's one thing you've taught me, Galia, with the rather exercise, but one thing that matters to me besides buying a vintage stools with dogs on them is that <laughs> my ass is in a theater seat once a week, once a week. It could be a kid's production of your good man, Charlie Brown. It could be the Pasadena Playhouse at the Doolittle Broadway, whatever. I need to see a play once a week. Because that's what's important to you. That's that, probably like, that's like your therapy. That's like meditation that's, to you, right? It's it, as long as you get that every week, then you feel mm -hmm. like a whole person again. Then I'm lit up. It's yeah. to mm -hmm. me, that lights me up. And yeah. that's one thing we talk about in our family. I'll say to my husband, what lights you up? And he said, oh, to put on my gross, disgusting hiking boots and go out and hike. That's his awesome. thing. Just go get muddy and hike and see weird birds and meet a friend for coffee after. That lights him up. And we do that with our son. What lights you up? And, and he'll tell us exactly what his formula is. But that's key, I think, is knowing what works for yourself. And then if we're lucky enough to have a family, which I do, what works for each one of those people and support them and, right. and whatever lights them up. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And again, because that's so important to you using your dollars in alignment with what lights you up, that's the intention behind it all. And the other thing too, I just wanted to add about the whole keeping up with the Joneses thing is like, we have no idea what's actually going on in other people's lives. We right. think we might right. because we overhear right. the people at the bus stop or we see everybody on social media. And that's a whole other rabbit hole. We can go down the impact of social media on how we feel about ourselves and our, and our relationship with money. But we think that we probably know more about people than we actually do. And I think to some extent, maybe we typecast it a little bit, or maybe we kind of put people in a little bit of a, of a box thinking that like, oh yeah, the grass is greener over there. Right. Everything must be great, but we have no idea. So I think we mm -hmm. have to constantly remind ourselves of that. We have no right. idea. And, right. and also to, to that point, I remember watching someone, God, they were going everywhere. They were in Geneva. They were in Dubai. They were just going nuts. I thought, wow, this person's really getting around. Holy moly. Mm -hmm. And it comes to find out they had a really bad diagnosis and mm -hmm. they were living their last year the way they wanted to. Yeah. And so in that spirit, it's not my right to ever comment on someone, how someone chooses to spend their money. Cause I don't know their health. I don't know what they're going through. I don't know what their spouse is going through their family, their children are going through. We never know what, what could be happening, right? Why they're making their choices. Absolutely. And I think, again, it all goes back to kind of that relationship that we have with ourselves and checking in with ourselves and having these kind of constant reminders because we shouldn't be spending money on anything if it's something that that isn't important to us, right? That's something that we don't value. Have you guys ever done this values exercise where, I mean, there's like a list of there, like a, you can find like a PDF, you can Google it. And it's, it's a list of, I don't know, 40 or 50 mm -hmm. different core values. Mm -hmm. And then you can kind of circle it. I've been encouraged to do this before where you start with like 10 to 15 and then you narrow it down to like, you know, three to five or something. I think that's so it's such a cool, powerful exercise for people because sometimes we forget. We forget what's like we wake up on uh, every morning and we're on this treadmill, right? We just got to get, especially with little kids, you just got to get stuff done and keep going and keep going. And you forget sometimes, I think, what's really important to you. And to me, I think having that reminder is so important. By the way, Where the do treadmill doesn't stop. <laughs> no. <laughs> when you have older kids, where Susan and I are still on that treadmill. <laughs> yeah. Just different. It's a bigger treadmill. It's got different lanes, <laughs> but it's it's still a treadmill. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the values exercise. I don't have to look at it. I I've actually done it um with my students at um Barnard, but it's been a while. I'll Megan, if you have it, if you could send it to us. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. Mm -hmm. I remember taking a test in college where it was where should you live in your life? test and they ask you, it was a two hour test, a million questions. And then it spits out an answer of the two cities you would be happiest in. And for me, yours, <laughs> Los Angeles, no. <laughs> Los Angeles and New York city. Okay. Shocker. Makes sense. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Love doing, interesting? I love doing little personality quizzes like that. Like to see, mm. do you really know who I am? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was, yeah. It's, it's interesting. I used to always take the Cosmopolitan magazine ones. Yes. I'm a big fan of the love languages. And I even did that for my kids. And obviously, yeah. it's romantic love, but I, I love the love languages. And I realized that I'm kind of all five. 
<laughs> you're all five yeah I, a little gift here and there didn't doesn't hurt affirmations great touch is good <laughs> like why are we limiting ourselves to one exactly <laughs> it's just a matter five of- more we yeah. have 10 love languages yes and it's also like what day like what what mood right, that day right. what's gonna matter? yeah <laughs> what mood am i in yeah i know i love my friend said once to her boyfriend he asked what her love language was and she said my love language is you need to get your ass a job that's my love language you need to be getting a job yep that's see that's the sixth one. one. Oh, that made me laugh that's the I sixth one get your ass a job i love it oh my gosh I am such a huge fan of you both. This has been such a fun conversation. I could I talk for two more hours, honestly. I love, so I love fun. anything related to money. So this has just been such an absolute pleasure to have you guys here. Before we wrap up, tell everybody how they can hear more from you and hear more from the Fiscal Firecrackers. Yeah, so we our podcast is called The Fiscal Firecrackers and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. And we have 35 episodes and counting out right now. Yes. You can also find us on Instagram and then that's fiscal firecracker. So it's no S for the Instagram. So you can follow and just check us out and follow us there as well. And And if you like, if you like a lot of shots of vintage clothing and things I find at swap meets, you can follow me at Suki Yeagley. Oh, definitely. I put up a lot of my, I put up a lot of my vintage finds. You know what I love the most about what you post, Susan? I love the sounds of your cooking. I do oh. like when, when you when you cook and you can put the sound on like I find that it's like therapy it's like the birds singing <laughs> the crackle sound and the sizzle yes, of the butter yes yes mm. absolutely you know. <laughs> well, thank you I'm so start, much Megan absolutely I'm gonna Thanks, start Megan. following you both this is this oh, has been an absolute pleasure and to be continued <laughs> okay. thank you great. all right bye, bye have a great year bye